Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider with the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, former president of the Tennessee Titans. We are speaking here on Thursday morning, a rather quiet week in the NFL. We have a couple of topics we are interested in talking about. Hope you're interested in it as well. If you like the show or any show at our at talknorth.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thanks, as always, to our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. And once again, you go to talknorth.com, find our other shows, including the Viking Update show. We have all the sports covered. We have outdoor content, variety content, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast. Check it all out. We do appreciate it. Let's start today, Jeff. And we did a little bit this on the Viking Update show as well. You'll do it in a different way and have different insights and opinions. Uh, how likely is it that each of the NFL's division winners is going to repeat. Now, the interesting thing here is that the NFL tends to be pretty volatile in terms of division winners, and there tends to be a lot of new playoff teams every year. And yet when I look at last year's division winners right now, I am very guilty of saying, okay, I I think a lot of the same teams are going to repeat. I think you might have a different opinion on that. Yeah, actually, I kind of do agree with you on that, Jim. I I do think that when you start with, with the two Super Bowl teams, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, that it's pretty likely that, that they can repeat, even though they both have some competition in their divisions. We know that, uh, especially the NFC East, where you could see all of a sudden Dallas could take a step forward, the Giants perhaps, uh, even the, the Commanders are not a bad team, especially defensively with that, that great defensive front. But but I think you start with the Eagles or the Chiefs' number number one chance to repeat. Then the, then the Eagles, to me, Jacksonville in the AFC South made a big step forward at the end of the last year, winning five straight times at the end of the season. Then they had their great comeback against the Chargers in the wild card round, and they played the Chiefs tough. I, I don't think Tennessee is in a position right now to overtake them after they lost their last seven games and Indianapolis and Houston have a long ways to go breaking in rookie quarterbacks, uh, Anthony Richardson and in Indy and CJ Stroud in Houston. So I think Jacksonville is probably my third choice as most likely to, to repeat Cincinnati in the AFC North. Again, they've got some competition. We know that with, with Baltimore and especially getting Lamar Jackson situated now contract wise. And you've got the Steelers always could could take a step forward in Kenny Pickett's second year. And, and Cleveland has plenty of talent uh, if Sean Watson makes a step forward. So I, I have Cincinnati four. San Francisco was my fifth most likely team to repeat. And all these teams I've mentioned so far, I will still pick them, even though Seattle has made some strides to to bridge the gap, but the 49ers, the talent level there is just really, I think, off the charts, especially defensively. And if Brock Purdy comes back healthy, I I think that's going to put them in a a really good position. Trey Lance, we'll see what happens with him. I still wouldn't be surprised if they even trade Trey Lance and go with Darnold as the backup if if they have confidence in Purdy, despite all the draft choices they trade for Lance. Buffalo in the AFC East, I'm still going to pick the Bills, even though Miami, I think, now has the best pair of corners in the league with 
with uh, the the addition of Jalen Ramsey and and Xavier Howard there. So you you look at, at certainly the Dolphins are, are taking a step forward, but but their whole thing is still going to depend on Tua being healthy at quarterback enough, and the Jets with certainly with Aaron Rodgers is is a potential threat. We know they were really good defensively last year. The quarterback held them back. And then New England's always, you, you can't toss them aside with Belichick and company. So I had the Vikings, actually the seventh most likely team to repeat, but I'm still picking them. But again, because of Detroit coming on, and people are dismissing Green Bay, but I, I don't think you can dismiss the Packers if Jordan Love progresses quickly in his first season. It's still a big ask for a, a young quarterback in his first year as a starter. So they may be a year away, but there's plenty of talent in that Green Bay team. We know that. and But I think Detroit is the biggest threat to the Vikings, obviously. And then they, I think the NFC South is wide open. And that, and Tampa Bay is the defending champion, won it at 8-9 and nine last year. But I, I would pick New Orleans right now would be my, my choice after adding uh, Derek Carr. Atlanta's made some strides. Carolina has, is breaking in the new quarterback. Uh, Bryce Young. So we'll see in the AFC South. But to me, the Vikings, I'm still picking them, Jim, but not with the level of confidence with some of these other teams. So you're you're saying that you, the Vikings have the seventh best chance of the eight division titleists of repeating. <clears throat> I assume you have them ranked ahead of Tampa Bay. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually think, you know, you know, me noted Vikings Homer. Um, I actually think <laughs> that they, uh, I think they have a better chance of repeating as division champs than Buffalo. And Buffalo's great. I mean, I, I think Buffalo's excellent. They're, they're, their point differential last year, they won 13 games, even though they lost a couple of close ones and didn't have the Cincinnati game available. They very easily could have won 14 or 15 games. I, I just think that division is going to be so much tougher. I think I think Miami could take a leap forward. I think the Jets could take a leap forward. I just think Buffalo – I just – I just think they have a tougher task, even though they're a better, they're probably a better team. Uh, I think Jacksonville, I think they are easily the class of that division, but I don't know that I trust them. Uh, Tampa Bay, yeah, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to repeat. And then I do think, you know, it's all, I guess we're not very far off. I, I actually might think the Vikings have like the fifth or sixth best chance of repeating, uh, but mo- mostly because I think Detroit is probably overrated and I don't trust the Packers with Jordan Love and I think the Bears will be improved but they have such a long way to go that's not going to put them in contention. Yeah, and I agree with you about Detroit. I do think I think they're a little bit overhyped, shall we say, even though they're we, we know their offense was really good but but Jared Goff has has had a little bit of, of swings in his career uh, after getting the Rams to the Super Bowl, and then he kind of took a nosedive for a couple of years, ends up getting traded, was really good last year. But you could see perhaps he could take a step backwards. That offensive line of Detroit is really good, and I think that's one of the things people underrate about them. And and I think the defense, with the additions that they've made at corner with, with Cam, Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, and then adding C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the secondary – I think that makes a big improvement in their lousy defense from last year. But I think it's pretty obvious that the NFC North is going to come down to the Vikings and the Lions playing twice in the last three weeks, including the season finale in, in Detroit. So uh, I, I, I can understand what you're saying, but 
I still think Buffalo has a little better shot. But again, Josh Allen is a guy that has to cut down on his turnovers, which were really costly last year. And and we know that the Bills laid an egg in the playoffs at home against the Bengals, and there's a lot of pressure on them, uh, probably more so than almost any team in the league because they've been so close and then have, have that flame out last year in the playoffs. So I could, I could certainly see the Bills getting getting beaten out, but I'm still going to pick them and with a slight edge over the Vikings. But it's it's an interesting exercise. And as we said, this is the time of year when you do those kind of things. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. We're kind of in silly season of the NFL season. Soon we'll have uh, more news. We'll have training camp approaching. But I, I kind of like these shows because we get to go a little to some different directions. Uh, one of the things you and I want to talk about is Christian Derrissaw and the Vikings offensive line. It was not that long ago. It was an incredible sore spot. Um, I don't know how well it played as a group last year. I don't know how you have them rated, but but for the first time in a long time, they have bookend Pro Bowl caliber tackles. Uh, we know how good Brian O'Neill is. The question is, how good is Christian Derrissaw and how good can he be? Yeah, I think it's really been interesting this offseason. As you said, it's kind of the, the time of year when all these ratings happen. Who's the top 100 players, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I even fall victim to that. I, I did a top 25 players under the age of 25 <laughs> for the 33rd team. And, of course, I had Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. I, I think I had him number two on that list, <laughs> maybe behind Jalen Hurts, only because Hurts is a quarterback. But you you look at at the – for example, Christian Derrissaw. And and he's hitting a lot of those lists of the top 100 players and and certainly, in a lot of cases, is ranking slightly ahead of O'Neal. And, and I think Brian O'Neill's an excellent tackle. I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber tackle. The Vikings missed him dearly in the playoffs, in the playoff loss to, to the Giants. We know that with that Achilles injury. But Derrissaw... I, I, th- I thought made a great big step forward last season. His rookie year was was kind of waylaid early on with the groin injury, but he really came on last year. He he's got great feet. He's got good quickness. He's got good size and strength. He's got a little bit of nastiness to him that you like in a, an offensive tackle, and he just, he's just kind of that big, solid, hard to hard to get by guy at the critical left tackle position. And uh, so I, I do think that, that he has really boosted this offensive line, kind of an underrated last first round pick of Rick Spielman. And to me, the Vikings offensive tackles, as you said, they've got those bookend pro bowl caliber tackles for the first time, really since back in my days as the GM, when we, when we drafted, Todd Stusey in the first round in 1994 and Corey Stringer in the first round in 1995. And Stusey became a two-time Pro Bowler, two-time second-team All-Pro. Stringer was a Pro Bowl offensive tackle. And they were kind of the the bookend tackles on a, on a probably, I don't know, I'd say the best offensive line in Viking history because in the 60s there were some really good offensive lines that were anchored by Mick Tinglehoff, Ron Yeary, Ed White, we know that. But that group in the in the late 90s with Randall McDaniel, Hall of Famer, Jeff Christie was a Pro Bowl center, 
we had, we had four terrific offensive linemen that were kind of the backbone of, of that group 15 to one team in, in 98 opening holes for Robert Smith, protecting Randall Cunningham and Brad Johnson, giving them time to throw to Carter Moss and Jake Reed. And so I think the Vikings have that group again. Do they have as good an offensive guards? Well, that's that's a question. And do, the, do they have as good a center? That's a question. I don't think at this point Bradbury is as good as Jeff Christie was. And I'm not sure the guards are at the level. Certainly we, we know they're not at the level where Randall McDaniel was as a, as a Hall of Famer. So the inside guys are still the question mark. But I think the Vikings offensive line – Having all five guys back this year, all five starters and their key backups, that's going to be an underrated element to help this team continue to to get better and give Kirk Cousins more confidence and better protection, open up the running game for Madison and, and the group of running backs. So I, I do think that Derrissaw coming aboard, a really key factor for the team that is really kind of under the radar. Oh, I agree. And uh, by the way, I mean, I've been covering the NFL since 89. You've been working in the NFL for even longer than that. Jeff, you mentioned Christy. Christy was a very good player. I think Randall McDaniel, even as a Hall of Famer, might be the most underrated player I've ever seen. And man, he's one of the best football players at any position I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he, he, he was a terrific player, terrific person. And I see him occasionally at, at some alumni events or different, different, uh, unfortunately funerals and things like that for former players and coaches, but, but always friendly, great guy. And, 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 and such a humble person. Uh, I was so happy for his success and, and he definitely, I agree with you, is, is one of the, one of the great, great Vikings of all time. And, and, and you just think about, as I said, those offensive lines. I remember some, you think about training camp. I remember some just unbelievable training camp battles between him and Keith Millard and, and Randall McDaniel and John Randall. When, when those guys went at it, it, it improved both of those guys and helped them to get to a higher level. And I think that's some of the things that can happen when you've got great players on both sides of the ball and thinking about, for example, Brian O'Neill's talked about his training camp work with Daniil Hunter, which hopefully Hunter will be there in training camp to work with with Brian O'Neill and with Christian Derrissaw. And, and so I, I think that those are important factors when teams and players improve to have that those intramural kind of one-on-ones in training camp. I have another memory about uh, John Randall. Let's uh, first, though, get to our, our sponsor, our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. Yeah, thanks, Jim. The White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC. My longtime friend, owner, Paul Rubin, general manager, Charlie Gutrell, their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection in their super friendly premium team. Check out whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see the summer sales event. Over 55 GMC Acadias, Sierra 1500s, and terrains in stock. Rates low as 0.9% up to 60 months. A $1,250 trade assistance on Sierra 1500s. Over 25 Buick Encore GXs, Envisions, and Enclaves in stock. Rates low as 2.49%. 
APR for up to 60 months, $750 purchase assistance on Encore GXs, no monthly payments for 90 days, and introducing the new 2024 Encore GX. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whiteberlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. So I, one of my favorite Vikings memories, my favorite memories of my time covering the team was, uh, you know, Jerry Reichow and Frank Gilliam. They find this undersized kind of linebacker, defensive lineman named John Randall out of a school called Texas A&I, which isn't even called that anymore. And they, he, they sign him as an undrafted free agent. They bring him in. And I remember being standing there on the practice field, John Randall's first practice with the Minnesota Vikings. And, and he's going up against this great offensive line. And he's going up against these great offensive linemen in the middle of the summer when they don't really want to be out there sweating. You know, this isn't doing Randall McDaniel any good. And John Randall is running circles around all of them. And they are cussing him. And they're just so <laughs> pissed that this little dude from Texas A&I won't let up. Uh, and it was the first signal that Randall could be something other than just this, you know, random special teamer. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember those days very well down in Mankato in the hot summer and and definitely thinking about John Randall and Randall McDaniel and, and those battles. And, and you're right, the, the, the old linemen were not happy with Johnny Randall and his high motor. <laughs> and, and early on, you could see the potential there. I, I just remember signing him for $5,000 as an wow. undrafted free agent. Uh, and lo and behold, whatever it was, nine years later, I'm making him the highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL after we put the franchise tag on him. And, and he had teams kind of sniffing him, even with a first round, uh, even, even having to give up two first round picks, Miami was still interested in him. So, so we had to step up and I had to step up and, and give him a big deal, but he was certainly deserving and, and such a big part of our, our success in, in, in the 1990s. No doubt. Uh, let's get to a couple of league things, including a, a kind of a semi-Minnesota connection. Trey Lance, what what do you think the 49ers are going to do with him? Yeah, I, I think so much is going to depend on Brock Purdy's health. And they did sign Sam Darnold, which which was an interesting move to me. I think the 49ers would, would like Purdy to, to be the guy and trade Trey Lance if they could get anything reasonable for him, considering they gave up, I think, a couple number ones and, and some high picks to move up to the third spot a couple of years back to, to draft him. And he's, he's had very limited play, and he had the injury, big injury the one year. He's also got the local connection. We know that growing up in Marshall, Minnesota. But Trey Lance obviously has, has talent. He just hasn't had it cultivated yet. And we know Kyle Shanahan's one of the smarter guys in the league, coaching-wise. But it just seems obvious that if Purdy takes the reins there, then Trey Lance could be on the trade block. And and I, I certainly would not be surprised if they try to showcase him in some preseason games, and and all as as they wait for Purdy to come back to full health. And then also in these joint practices that are really critical 
for teams to, to get a good read on their starters because they don't want to play them in preseason games. And so I would not be surprised. But again, if they can't get at least a second round pick, and I'm sure they'd love to get a first round pick, but do you trade a first round pick for a guy who's that unproven is kind of doubtful. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Trey Lance. I would not be surprised to see him moved to another team before the season starts. That's going to be fascinating. Uh, and if if the Vikings were in a slightly different situation, I could see them going after him. I don't think it makes sense with what they're paying Cousins and uh, taking a look at Hayden and other people, but who, who knows? Uh, let's do one more topic for today. Next week, we're going to have Jeff break down uh, the NFL's best team at each position group, uh, starting with, uh, of course, we, we're guessing that the Chiefs and, and Patrick Mahomes will probably be number one at the quarterback, but there'll be a lot of interesting debates at other positions. We'll also talk more about Stefan Diggs' situation. For now, I'm going to ask Jeff where he sees Dalvin Cook signing. There are rumors that the Dolphins have made an offer. A reminder, uh, great shows across the sports spectrum, including out, uh, outdoors uh, stuff and uh I would point you toward the Chin Music Show with Roy Small and Lavelle Neal and myself as the twins go through an interesting and tormented summer. We have uh, John Krasinski on the Timberwolves. We have uh, Jeff here on the Vikings. We have John Millay on preps. Uh, Check it all out, including all of our hockey content at TalkNorth.com. Again, if you find a show you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. So for today, uh, what are you hearing about Dalvin Cook? What are you expecting? But by the way, we're talking here on Thursday morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm still expecting Dalvin to sign in Miami. I think it's it's the logical place, and and maybe they they wave Mostert at that point in time and and go with with Cook and and the, and the rookie that they drafted in the third round. Dalvin still has talent, even though we've talked obviously his production has gone down a little bit from year to year in his yards per carry, but he's still a quality player in the league and a, a four-time Pro Bowl running back. And I'm, I'm, I think the Dolphins would, would be thrilled to add him to their offensive arsenal. And, and again, to take a little more pressure off, off of Tagovailoa and the passing game, that, that he could be a, a guy that could help take them over the over Buffalo in that AFC. So, I, I still expect him to go to Miami, but but we'll see. And obviously, he's looking for more money than they're offering at this point, or the deal would be done by now. Probably similar to DeAndre Hopkins, who has not signed yet either. And he's, sure, I'm sure, looking for more money than than teams such as perhaps Buffalo might be one of the teams in the hunt there, uh, or Kansas City for for DeAndre Hopkins. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and and this time of year with a lot of the the GMs on vacation, there may not be much movement until after the 4th of July when when people come back to work. So I think the next week might still be quiet, but you never know. If if the right offer comes forth, then then Dalvin may go ahead and, and, and sign the contract. But to me, Miami makes the most sense. I agree. And do you do you believe that Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins could be something of a package deal, or is that just something they had fun talking about? Yeah, I think that's something they they just talk about. Because how many teams have the cap room to take on right. both guys? That, that's pretty tough at this stage of the game, unless you're talking about the Bears, who still have I think have the most cap room in the league, and, and they're not going to be signing those guys, and they they want to go to contending teams. So I, I don't see that happening, but. We'll see. There's lots of interesting things that could still happen in the next month. 
who knows what Stefan Diggs is going to do new, do next as as he complains about his role in the Buffalo offense and whatever. So it's uh, it's that time of year where there's lots of speculation and and still a few good guys that are available. And and I still say the Vikings should find some cap room and sign somebody like Justin Houston on the defensive line because I still think their pass rush is a little suspect. And maybe even Marcus Peters, a quarter, a cornerback, who I think is still on the market too. And these guys are, are quality players, I think could really help this defense. I'm sure Brian Flores would be happy to add either one of those guys. Good. We'll continue talking about potential moves, Stefan Diggs, and what's going on around the league next week. Appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com and Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. <laughs>